I'm Mitch Garrett, the artist of The Sheriff of Babylon, and this is the Therefore I Geek podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. Beowulf! I'm not Beowulf. Yeah, I got nothing snappy to come back on that one. <laughs> I nothing. I couldn't really think of anything in theme. You could have gone with Conan. Could have gone with Conan. Just Conan. We've been talking Conan like all fucking weekend. We have. We've been talking a lot of stuff. Where are we? We're in Phoenix. Yeah, we are at Phoenix Comic Con. This is, this is, this is fucking great is what this is. I, I, I've enjoyed this. We are three days into this convention. Tomorrow's the last day. We have had a lot of fun. Uh, last time I had this much fun at a convention was Baltimore like two years ago. I dig these kind of mid-level, small-level conventions because I am over the 100,000 attendee conventions at this point. Yeah, Phoenix is running about 75,000. It's on the cusp. Yeah, right right about there. And and I think really the, uh, the convention has kind of reached its capacity, mm-hmm. just the space. And there's really no other space for them to go to. So this, uh, this is about as big as this convention is going to get. I think right now they're just they're they're trying to improve the quality of of the show and the the guests and what that they get. So they're starting to do that thing where they bleed over into other nearby venues, but it's not obnoxious. They're close enough together where you don't got to go four or five blocks anyway. Yeah, I mean we're in downtown Phoenix, so there's, there's there's a bunch of hotels right in the area. We're actually staying at one, which has been like super convenient. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever stayed this close to a convention. No, and it's been really, especially when you have like a haul, like I did today. Yeah, you you had some big fucking boxes you were bringing back. Oh my back. god. It, this was like a big, as far as buying, in terms of volume, not many, but quality, quality. stuff. Yeah. Quality stuff. This is good. So, let's start with you. You've got, what are your impressions? You've, you, we've gotten three days in. How do you feel about this one? This has been a really great convention. Yes, yeah, so this is my third time coming to Phoenix. This is my first. This is your first. My third, first time I came, it was like 25,000 people, and I was kind of not impressed. Oh, really? And, yeah, it was just, it. yeah, there, there were some nice, like, celebrities and stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, for three days of, a, three to four days of convention, like, a, a convention that size didn't really warrant that, that, that many days. Mm. So, I was kind of just unimpressed. And then Tracy and I came two years ago, and were, like, floored. This, that was... It, 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 at that point, I mean, like I, I've said this a bunch of times, New York holds a special place in my heart. Of course. But, uh, like, 2014 was, like, my massive convention year. I went to 11 conventions that year. It was 11? 11. I mean, some of them were, were small local stuff. Like Virginia stuff. Yeah. Right. Small local, you know, Hampton Roads kind of stuff. But I also went to New York City, Emerald City, Phoenix, uh, Baltimore. Yeah. So, like, I, I had four major conventions that that year and Phoenix and Emerald city were by far the, the top two. Uh, and, and, and this is, this is, there, there's been a quality improvement even over that year, over two years ago. Now, what would you say your highlights for this convention so far? Mind you, we still have one day left, but I think it's fair to say, you know, what, what where, where could we have some highlights? What would you like to tell the people about this one? Yeah. Uh, I think first of all, I think we, when we had a really good time at the burlesque show last night. Yes. That was a lot of fun. 
Uh, it was actually finally the first time I've gotten to go to a burlesque show, despite many, many attempts to make it to other ones. And the fact that I have been in multiple ones that you haven't even seen. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like the, not yeah. as a not as a someone taking their clothes off. I was the, you know, the host. The, the the host or the variety part of the show. Right. Whereas, uh, yeah, there was one. There was one time. Like I wasn't feeling well. Like you, it was two nights in a row. It was like yeah. I wasn't feeling well the one night, and I was like, "Oh, I'll go to the next night," and I had to get to work. I was like, oh, "I'm going to be at work for like two hours," and I'm being at work for like ten fucking hours. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. It was just a very different experience for me. Uh, I think that you know, a lot of creative performers. Yeah, I will give a lot them of that. Fun. A lot of really cool, you know, good-looking women, really creative, and you could tell that they knew what they were doing as far as their nerd reference stuff. Yeah, I mean, and they obviously were really enjoying themselves yeah. on stage, and that 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 shows. And I, I think it should be pointed out, like the massive popularity they had. Uh, that room, they were in like their the big room on the west end of the of the convention center, and it was basically sold out. Yeah, I mean, it was it very, was... very, very nearly, anyways. Yeah, no, that was that was a great time. How about we went to a lot of panels this weekend? We have, and we haven't done that in a while. Uh, no, not to the, not nearly to that extent. No, let's see. Uh, the, the Edgar Rice Burroughs one, we I think that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, it's definitely spawned a couple of ideas that I think we're going to flush out in future podcasts. I think that that'd be totally worth. I I really feel like we've spoken about this, and I don't remember if it was on air, but I think visiting this guy's work will be well worth our time. Yes, I agree. So I think stand by for more stuff on that. Uh, I tried to go to a panel on. It was Magical MacGuffins, and the panel the panel room was completely full. It was a very, it was a small, very small panel room, mm-hmm. and, and and I understand why it like it filled up. It had uh, Brandon Sanderson and Patrick Rothfuss were two of the four panelists, mm-hmm. so like I get why it it was so packed. And it was right after Sanderson's personal, like the the, the Brandon Sanderson spotlight panel. So I'm sure most of the people just camped. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm certain that's what happened. But uh, that aside. Like, the, you know, the room was full. There was a line out the door that had as many people in the line as there were people in the panel. I was literally the last person in line, and the guy comes up and he says, like, says to the whole line, look, the room is full. The only way you're going to get in is if someone leaves. And I was the only person to get out of the line. <laughs> only, I mean, like, I knew at that point when he said that, I was like, all right, well, there, unless this room, entire room swaps out. Like, this isn't going to happen. Some people just don't, you know, their self-denial mojo was full swing at that point. Yeah. You did, we, we got to see one earlier in the weekend. That was the Star Trek, the original series, best and worst top ten, conducted by um, a gentleman, I didn't write his name down, from ASU. He was a, a science professor, but obviously a serious Star Trek nerd. Yeah. He knew his, his he knew his OTS. And while the format wasn't, you know, perfect, it was very kind of fly by the fly by the cup. They came up with a couple really cool episodes. Yeah, I, I mean, a few of them were pretty terrible. Yeah, you know, it's like a, basically they had the audience voting on a top ten. Yeah, like, and, and by and people in the audience would come up, nominate an episode, and then it would be get voted on. Yeah, and the voting process was not stringent. It basically, no. if they said an episode, it got on there. Pretty much, and and the kind of fun part of really about you know arguing it out, um, we didn't get to it. Like I, I, we were standing there going, "Can we think of an episode?" Like crap. Well, right. like we thought of like a bunch of episodes, but we we assumed they were all going to be episodes that other people were going to say. Right. And then people got up and started saying stupid episodes, and we were like, "Uh oh, 
Yeah, I, I gotta like, get up there. You were like, shit, we should we should like bum rushed. Yeah, and so I ran up. This was kind of funny. I thought I run up there, and and I'm waiting online, and they they kind of fill out the top ten. Yep. They do the honorable mentions, and so all of a sudden, there's like challenges to the list, right? Because this was very like self organized. Yes. And I jump up there, like run up to the mic. And I'll and I tried to explain one of my favorite episodes was an episode I didn't even know the name of the episode. <laughs> that was I, I yelled like the description from the audience just so the guy could tell me the name of the episode. Yeah. And it was the episode was called I think A Taste of Armageddon. Yes. And the quick plot is is they're visiting this planet where there's two sides of a war, and instead of fighting real war with real weapons, it's simulated, but the people still die if you know the computer shows the explosion for the bomb. It's like okay, everyone here has to go die. And then they simulate the destruction of the Enterprise, so they have to blow up the Enterprise. I thought this was a great episode. And I kind of, you, you were there, I was like, all right, I jumped up there towards the end of the panel and just passionately stated my case for this episode to see if I could bump off any of the 12 that were nominated. I came close. Came close, didn't, didn't quite, as many things to when I make arguments in my life, just fall a little bit short. Of, yeah. Of no, I, I mean, they, they did get some some of the, like, traditionally considered best episodes. They got... Balance of Terror made it. City yes. on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. Space Seed. Mirror Mirror. Mm-hmm. Triple Tribbles. Like a, a number of like the like those those are. Uh, was it this uh, battle? What was the battlefield one? Uh, let uh let this let be the last battle battlefield. Field. Well, that was a great one. And then there were just ones like Savage Curtain and Omega something. Omega. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. it was Omega something and and Conscious of the King that were right. And then we left off. They left off stuff like the Ultimate Computer, Doomsday, Doomsday Machine. Yeah. The arena, right? Yeah, I, just, I mean, like so, stuff that um, I mean, a personal favorite of mine is um, Assignment Earth. I mean, you hate mm-hmm. that. You, you would probably wouldn't be because it's time travel. But, uh, but I mean, like I really like Gary Seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an interesting character. But that was that was a fun that was just a fun panel because that was the first of two this weekend that I attempted to usurp. Right. Yeah. So, so tell us about the, the the other usurpation. All right. So this was this was interesting. So I. I uh, last year did a lot of reading on like dystopian novels and stuff like that. I went through Orwell stuff and Bradbury's nineteen eighty, uh, not uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one, and, and Animal Farm and, and Brave New World. So they had this panel on Orwell. I don't, oh, this will be really cool. Let me check this out because I had a couple questions about Orwell because I was really expecting almost you know near scholarly work on this, and I get there and it's a pair of undergrads yeah it's a pair of 20 something undergrads from asu who are only doing this panel because they made a joke that someone thought they were being serious and they had like an eight i don't want to badmouth these guys too much because i gave them my card and said call me if you want to do this again because i'll help you out but it, they, were, they were unprepared is what you're you yeah they, and they kind of admitted it so what they did is they opened it up to a discussion and i'm very passionate about this topic so i kind of jumped up on the dais and started talking directly to the audience. And it was a lot of fun because you could see the young people kind of staring at me with un- unsure of what to make of me. And then like the old timers, the people who you know read the book back in the day and, and lived the cult through the cold war. Like you could see the approving nods right. as I was talking to them specifically. And that kind of made me feel good. Well, yeah, I mean, and some some of that, you know, I mean, just the, the generational thing. I mean, like, yeah, really. Well, I mean, I mean, realistic, realistically, we were we were born during the Cold War. You were yes. both born. You were eighty four. I was eighty five. I was eighty five. Eighty five. 
Right, so we're born at the end of the Cold War. Yep. Like I, I distinctly remember my first grade teacher making a comment mm-hmm. about how she was finally allowed to teach about Russia because because the Cold War had literally just ended. Yeah. Like so, we we still kind of grew up with some of that or some of that and that mention, holdover. Yeah, and not to mention our fathers have very clear memories yes. of the Cold War because they lived most of their entire adult lives almost. Their entire lives, period. Yeah, were Cold War era stuff. So I got regaled with stories about the Cuban Missile Crisis because my dad remembers it, and he remembers the F four Phantoms flying in formation over New York. He saw them during the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? So you know, or the whatever planes they used that. But like you know, the kid who was presenting it, it was, I think, a sharp guy. Um, he was. He admitted he was born in nineteen ninety six. Right. So and, yeah, not a dumb kid. Just no. just I'm quite early, a kid. Yeah, a young guy who I think. And the thing was, there were a lot of people in this panel. There was right. a lot of people there, and I think that overwhelmed them. They didn't expect that, and I think they kind of got a little overwhelmed by the conversation. And it was fun because eventually I kind of walked – I left the, the, the panel because I was jumping up and making speeches at least three times during that panel. And I was like – I turned to your friend, and I said, okay, I think I need to just step out for a second. And this gentleman followed me out and stopped me and told me, go back in there and give him your business card if you have one. Because right. you could have done this on the fly. Because you obviously know what this is about. And then another guy, I don't know who he was because he had a mask on. Right. But obviously, he was in there, came over. He must have been younger because he was cosplaying. He shook my hand and, and said thank you. And then I went back in there after they were done, gave him my card. And I had two other people come up to me and like incre- and, and kind of move the conversation a little bit more. Tell me what I missed when I walked out. It was fun. I hope they do call me. I would love to do an all well thing. I think that'd be really, really cool. Well, and, and, and now, you know, being in San Diego, you're now significantly closer where you actually could make it, you know, make a trip out of this. I would drive out there to do an oral. I mean, you've told you this. Like, yeah. a, a panel is like my wet dream. That's the most dangerous place to put me in front of is a microphone in front of an audience. Yeah. It could end very badly for, for everyone. Often does. Yeah. And I, the last panel I, I got to chance was this Harley Quinn panel, which was kind of fun. Oh, I, that, and the Harley Quinn panel was nice. It was done by Geek History Podcast, and it was kind of an interactive one a lot of interactives yeah but i'll tell you the funny one that happened was it was supposed to be the science-based pod uh panel on like bioskeletons and neuro connections and sun and the panelists didn't show up period at all i i and i don't have my notes to see who they were supposed to be but what was so cool is this was one i wasn't usurping because right. i know i could not fake this one and there's a brain yeah it does stuff yeah i mean i would have just faked the hell out of that one because there are some people in there who wanted some science and uh, an author was in the yeah i mean i could give him some some stuff (laughs) but there was like an author who in the medical field he wasn't a doctor but he was he worked in like what do you call uh neurological diagnostics and he was an author of a book called the god wave and then and he started, like, just jumped up there and took it over and was like, look, this is my wheelhouse. Let's just have a conversation. And then an author slash surgeon who works on, like, amputees with prosthetics that can move with thought right. jumped up. And they were doing the panel. And then there was, like, a Ph.D. in biology that just happened to be there. And he came up there. And it was just – and, like, everyone just stuck it out and had this really cool – wide-reaching, wide-flowing right. conversation about science and science fiction and medicine and the cutting edge and how we do it. And it was, 
I appreciated a lot. I thought that was actually kind of the highlight for me. Yeah. Was that kind of organic Impromptu, moment of, yeah. of people coming together and, and having a conversation. No, that's pretty cool. That was really cool. So you tell me your impressions of the floor this year. It was good. You liked it. Yeah, I did a lot. Yeah, I want to say, I mean, like the, to some extent, there, there's a little, they're a little heavy on duplication this year in certain spots. Mm-hmm. You know, you like got what? There's like a ton of guys selling like weapons, like swords and knives and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And there's a couple of like, a couple of fairly sizable booths, booths that all they're selling is Funkos. Mm-hmm. And it's like. I get it. They're popular. These are fucking beanie babies. Yeah, and I, I, I've never, I've never been a fan of these, and so I was kind of irritated by their explosion. I think a little bit before you were. I'm not irritated by the explosion. I'm just sitting here like, yeah, these things are kind of fun and kind of cool. And I'm, but I'm just like watching them blow up, and I'm like, people are sinking. I mean, some there are some pops people are asking, you know, five hundred dollars for. Yeah. People are sinking stupid money into these things. That I mean, there's no return on investment here. No, and you've got these boots that are, you know, from top to bottom, wall to wall. Right. Yeah. Just giant cubes. Well, like, actually, you you know what actually did it for me, like when I realized this was this is becoming a problem, mm-hmm. was actually at Phoenix two years ago, where I saw them selling uh, plastic boxes to put them in so you protect them. Mm-hmm. That are almost that were almost exactly like the plastic boxes people put Beanie Babies in. I oh, was like, God. oh, oh, nope, we're there. Yeah, they probably just dug them up and recycled them. I, it's possible. Yeah. The other thing I noticed, and you may have noticed too, is in Artist Alley, which I also liked. I like when they're on the same floor. I don't like having to leave the room. No, yeah. They were there, right next to the the vendors. Was the metal prints these? Prints yeah. on metal. I have never seen these before. I neither have I. And they're very new because we stopped and asked someone about them. And he said, like, within a year, this is this has been catching on. So what were your impressions of that? Because I, I have some some opinions on it. I mean, I think they look cool. They do kind of look cool. And, and, and obviously they're a little more durable than your standard print. Right. I mean, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal your, top, your, your thunder a little bit here, mm-hmm. but... I mean, it, it seems like just a, kind of an easy way for them to charge a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was gonna. I was gonna go there. Is that they do kind of look cool, and and the durability is nice. But you know, I don't know if they peel and fall off or anything like right. that. I'm, I don't know how that works. I asked one of the artists about it, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, the col- some of the color is more vibrant, and it's durable." But me, I'm looking at it going. Someone was like. And they had mentioned that that photographers do this. Yeah. That they they print on on sheet sheets of metal. And someone must have caught the bright idea and gone, dude, I can print these on metal, charge an extra ten twenty bucks more than I do normally for prints as an right. extra thing, and make make some extra bucks. And I feel like it was one of those when ideas have sex where everyone just went, oh, that's a great idea. Let me do it. Yeah, I'm certainly... I certainly did not buy. A metal print this time. No, I mean I think there are certain certain prints lend themselves more than others. There was um, an artist who was doing X, some X Men prints, and they were all in like grayscale. Yeah, I thought those lent themselves much better than like there were a lot of a lot of artists. They're like, here's this here's this print, here's it in metal. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll take the other the, the regular print because mm-hmm. it looks better. Right. Like, but there were there were a few a few specific ones that lent themselves, and like the one artist you talked to, he said, you know. 
any of them that have that have any kind of like light in them, mm. those obviously tend to to work better because the, the the reflectiveness of the metal gives a little like it helps kind of give the image a little more luster, and I can believe that. Yeah. So tell me, on the show floor, you're right. It was what did you detect this or maybe I missed it? Not a lot of comic stuff, or am I am I? Maybe you're too critical here. Or maybe it's just not a lot of. Th- I think you're talking like. In just terms of like, boxes and comics, uh, uh, the, the the graphic novels and the single issue. There were a lot less of the graphic novels. Like people selling like, yeah. you know, discounted graphic novels and trades and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Phoenix doesn't there doesn't do that a lot of other shows do, like New York and, and some other shows. They tend to bundle the comic book sellers together mm. like you know you're going through you'll go through like the show floor and you'll be like you know here's a bunch of different vendors and then you get here's the comic book seller like right and and i feel like the comic book people are distributed fairly evenly throughout so i don't know that it was, it was less it may just seem less because they're less, they're not concentrated together right right there there are a lot of booths selling uh, action figures. Yes. Like, action figures and other collectibles. Admittedly, I mean, that's what you and I are, we, you we and were, you are, I are buying. We were really here for collectibles this time around. At yeah. least for me. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a few comic issues I wouldn't mind digging through to see if I can find. Mm-hmm. But nothing like, nothing major. I made a list, and I was kind of looking it over, and I really wasn't like, oh, here's some stuff I have to get, like previous years, where I was like, I want to finish 100 Bullets. I want all the 100 bullet trades. Yeah. Right? I wasn't doing that this time. Now, there are some trades I've seen that are like, oh, yeah, I'd really like to get those. Yeah. And I still might pick those up. I haven't decided. Yeah, the only one I'm, I'm still eyeballing is maybe getting, like, the first two big volumes of Punisher Max. Right. Like, I'll get those. That might be cool. But don't don't feel the push to grab it. I'll say the big get for me, this convention, was running across the Ralph Bacci table. Which yeah. surprised me because I thought he was a New York entity. He was obviously a family member. And they uh, said they were. They said they were based out of New Mexico. Yeah, they they definitely did, and they were selling original cells used to produce his movies. You used to make his movies, and it wasn't just one movie. They had Lord of the Rings, there, Fire and Ice. Yeah, why don't you explain who Ralph Batchy is? So let's do that. Yeah, so know. Ralph Batchy was an animator. And a director of animated films from the 70s to about the early 90s, maybe mid-90s. And he's probably most well-known for adapting R. Crumb's Fritz the Cat. And taking an attempt at Lord of the Rings, the animated Lord of the Rings. He's also, for those who are into animation at the time, did Fire and Ice, Wizards, Coonskin, Heavy Traffic, and one of my top five favorite movies ever made, a movie called American Pop. Right, which is bit when you talk about animated films, these are these are intentionally they're animated films, especially for adults. Yes, these, these are, are not, not not children, not children at movies at but in the least, and they were independent animated films at a time when Disney just dominated the market, yeah. and they were not done in the using the Disney method. They were done using the rotoscope method, where he filmed it and then drew over it, so it had that kind of look to it. Um, hard to describe, but it had this naturalism because there was an actor. You know, behind the scenes, behind those cells. Right. 
and they I had run across Batchy back I want to say in 2008 or 2000 I want to say 2008 or 2007 in New York when a in a when a book was written about him I got to speak to him personally got him to sign it it was really great and then it was kind of like fell off the face of the earth you know right and he's it was admittedly at the end of his career it's got to be 2008 because I don't think Obama had been elected yet um, I don't think he had won the nomination and I remember it coming up right and so now we're at this booth where they are selling original cells used to produce that film. And it was like, the, these are cells from the one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I could not let this opportunity pass up. So I feel very satisfied picking up one of those cells. And like you said, I'm going to frame it with the, the thing, the glass to protect it. Uh, yeah, and the certificate of authenticity. Certificate. The whole nine yards. Oh, yeah. Make, the, make a real nice showing of it. This is going to be great. And you got a beautiful figure what again uh side uh, i got another side sideshow collectibles piece mm-hmm. so this is like I, i'm i really love the uh the clone trooper characters they've done from from clone wars so this one is uh captain rex who's who's the the clone trooper the clone commander who goes along with anakin most of the most of the show and uh there's another one i may pick up the uh, one of the arc troopers fives i'm i'm up in the air on that, that one it's between, I think it's between that and and a uh, an original page. Mm. I'm leaning towards the original page. Yeah, I, I still have I, one. I, I worked, I worked a ton of overtime, so maybe I'll end up with yeah. both. Who knows? I still have one. Yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> I'm already over budget, so I'm just trying to cheat myself, cheat myself well at this point. What was really interesting was my my girlfriend finds a long lost cousin. Right. This was funny because. She's going through who are the guests at Artist Alley, and she comes across the name Ashley Witter, and she goes, I think I'm related to this girl. And I'm like, you're full of crap. She's like, no, if this is a Witter, uh, we're related well, yeah, she, she went on this long explanation of why they had to be related, and you and I just tuned the fuck out. We're like, you are, no, stop. And you're going to get there. She's going to look at you like you're a fucking maniac, because you are. Yeah. And then we're going to move on and never and never be able to walk <laughs> down that aisle again. Yeah, right? We can't be, so, like, we're in Artist Alley, and she just breaks off, like, I'm going to go find this girl I think I'm related to. And I'm like, all right. And she shoots off, like, a like a firecracker. And I'm like, all right, we have to go chase it, come up to her. And we're going we're gonna to get uh, up to her right at the moment it gets awkward. Right. And uh, immediately this girl is like, oh, yes, we're, we're, we've got to be both related. They're, like, sharing grandparents and great-grandparents going back as far as they can remember. Right. There's a book on their genealogy. They're, I mean, they, they, they take selfies together. It's, uh, we're like, oh, okay, we got this one wrong. Yeah, we, we, just got, we just got owned. Yeah, and we went, the girl's name is Ashley Witter. She is an, a comic book artist, graphic novel artist, and she's been at about five years now. She's based out of Chicago, and we looked up uh, one of her new graphic novels. It's called Squarriors. It's, it's about squirrels. It, imagine Mouse Guard. But with squirrels. But with squirrels. And then crank up the hardcore to eleven. It is it is not cute and fuzzy. Nice. It is not cute and fuzzy. We got a copy of. It. We got her and her uh, writer to sign it. I'm looking forward to reading through this. I paged through it while they were reminiscing about family members or something that they don't know. <laughs> but it I'm that's one of those things I'm recommending as far as comic book finds is Squarriors. Nice. I mean it's like mouse card, but listen, and she's got like some Joe Jusco style to her. Nice. It looks really good. It looks really, really good. Yeah, I picked up, I picked up a book from Stan uh, Stan Sakai 
one of the Yusagi Ajimbo like mm-hmm. monster volumes. Yeah, who looks sad, like lonely at one point. Yeah, and... yeah, he looks kind of lonely. Walk past him, like, oh, Stan looks lonely. <laughs> and like, I went up to like we went up to him and and you know got him to sign it. Needed a sketch for me because I I did a uh, donation to the um, Heroes Initiative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was super friendly, super nice about it, and everything. And so that was that was cool. He's getting kind of getting kind of up there, mm-hmm. and that's another one of those books that it's like oh, I should read this. Yeah, explain real quick what it is. Just... Uh, Yusuke Jimbo is basically it's a it's a rabbit who is a Ronin, which is a masterless samurai, mm-hmm. and it's his adventures through through feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's it's a very it's a very long running dark horse series. So it's all black and white, uh, and Stan's base Stan does all all the writing and all the art. It's it's really good. No, we in our Sally we ran across a friend of the podcast. Uh, we ran into we, yeah we ran into uh, Mitch Garrods who we had on six months ago ish yeah about six months ago. Uh, it was right after um, Sh- he's the artist for Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, so you know it was, it was nice to to touch base with him. It's funny because you know we're here in Phoenix talking to Mitch, and Tracy was in D.C. where Tom King who writes Sheriff is. Mm-hmm. So we're at one we're at one convention with the artist, and Tracy's on the other side of the country at at, these, at a different convention with the writer. Yep. So that that was amazing. but no, I mean Mitch is a great guy, you know, real friendly. I just got It was nice to nice to actually you know be able to meet face to face and shake hands and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So and I was able to pick up some of his other work, um, The Authority. Why does that sound familiar? No, I'm I'm screwing that up. Hang on. Oh. It's in my suitcase. Oh, fine. I'll go. Oh, my oh. knees. My oh. knees. Oh, oh, I felt that. Oh, my God. Okay, it's in the suitcase. There's Rex. The last one. All right, here it is. This it? Yeah. The activity. Activity. The activity. Oh, I screwed that up twice. Fuck nut. And my knee. I don't give a shit about your knee. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, really cool. So, here's... On the on a side note, a couple of things we got to do this weekend, not really Comic Con related, but you got to try out because you know I'm I'm all about board games this last past yeah, year now. Yep. We got to try a couple games you hadn't tried before. Yep. Uh specifically code names. We've played Bunchkin before, but code names and the Duke, both new to you. Yep. So I would like so for those who don't know, Code Names is a party game. If you go on boardgamegeek.com right now, it is, I believe, voted the number one party game on board game geek played it a few weeks ago oh at a friend's house i've been showing people this it is a fantastic party game but i would like to know your opinion playing it fresh almost ambushed by a board game or uh, card never the board game it's a card game really yeah it really, it's really a card game that one was a lot of fun it's it's a team it, game where you have to it's it's oh how how can we say it? it's almost like charades where you've got words in a five you know card words on cards laid out five by five and the whole idea is I give you a one-word clue, and you've got to figure out which word associates to which yeah, it, card. Yeah, it, it's it's really it, it's really like it's a really a, wor- a word association kind of game. Yeah, with 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 some twists and competitive two teams. Yep, no skill required. No, none at all. So, what were your impressions of that one? Yeah, is it, that, that one was a lot of fun. I think I think my only complaint is that it's a party game, so I can I can't play. You know, right? I you need. What at least four people to play? Yeah, six is better. Yeah, six, six, yeah, six is probably a good number. Mm-hmm. Like more than that, I think we get a little rough. Right. I mean, and even odd, it doesn't really matter. Right. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and like, unfortunately, just 
yeah, that's, that's really my only complaint is, is that it that that I can't play it, you know, just Becky and I like two right. player. Right. Now speaking of, so great party game, obviously, not not one of those strategy one on one playing games. But yeah, and, would and, you and recommend a fast it? game? Very fast. Yeah, like it's it, you know you can crank out or crank out you know a game in twenty minutes. Yeah, easily. Easy. We we did two and, and less than that. Yeah. And uh, we had a lot of fun. So I, I highly recommend it. Would you give it the stamp of approval? Yeah, absolutely. So the other game we got the chance to try was a friend of mine's favorite game, and it's quickly becoming one of mine. It's a chess-based game with little wooden tiles called The Duke. Strategy, but with a hint of randomness. Uh, we, You and I played it, and then you played it with your friend. So you got two cracks at it. What are your impressions of that one? That one is a two-player game. It is a two-player game. I'm definitely going to... I, I'm definitely interested to play to play that more like in the future. I definitely have to spend some time with that though. Yeah, it's one of those games you, unlike Codename, where you just grab it and play it. This one's uh, sit down and think about a game. Yeah, and, and you know it's one of those things like you and I have always kind of really wanted to get into chess and just not had the time or focus or something to to do it. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean chess is one of those games that make you look really smart, and I'm all about faking people out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I, I, just, I like the idea of, of chess in general. Like, I like kind of the, 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 the duel of minds. And, and you see, this has some of that. It has the random element, which is, it, it makes gameplay interesting, I think. It, you know, it mixes it up. I would say, you know, it, it was fun. I would just have to spend some time in getting to know the game better. Mm-hmm. And which is good is it has a nice replay value. And it keeps it fresh. That's one of the things I love about it. It's a fun strategy game. It keeps it fresh. And people, you know, a lot of people like to just crack the game out with a couple beers and enjoy, you know, screwing around with their friends. So that that wraps it up about with, with what I've got on my mind. Anything you want to add? I'm trying to think. I mean, we, I mean, we really had a, had a good weekend this weekend. Fabulous. This, this, you know, this is, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, conventions we really like and i i told you so i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure you're gonna really enjoy this convention mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of those shows i can't speak highly enough about just because you said new york and san diego have their place have their purpose mm-hmm. but shows like phoenix and like emerald city and you know that level of show baltimore baltimore i really don't want to leave that one out i really find that one to be an underrated convention it it is except for the and my only complaint about baltimore it's not a personal complaint, is that it, but that it is almost entirely comics focused. Mm-hmm. So if you're not into comics, mm-hmm. there's really not a lot going for you. Yeah, true. Not well, one of those multi-purpose conventions, right? Whereas as shows like this and like Emerald City, yeah, like there's 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 a lot going on. There's there's something for basically everyone. That is definitely true. I mean, one, ha- I mean, the Hyatt was taken over by board gamers. Yeah, yeah, completely. Actually, there is one more thing I wanted to mention was. So yesterday, uh, Phoenix the, the the convention had some some issues. There were basically people trying to get in for like get re- registration. There were a series of computer crashes. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, people were waiting in, out out in the sun in Phoenix in like 112. It, this weekend for, was hot. Yeah, um, they're wait, waiting outside for a good. Two to three hours. Oh wow! I didn't know about that. Yeah. So and some of it, some of it was like they were having these problems. They 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 were trying to work through them. They realized they weren't going to be able to get through them. So then they had to set up an in an inside line mm-hmm. 
you know, get all get all the all the dividers set up, get everything like move all the people in. Like that just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, the convention uh, operator, the manager, or whatever, went on went on the the Phoenix Comic Con Facebook page and posted a what's what's probably amounts to about a page long apology. Oh wow! Like an actual like, hey, this is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what we were doing. You know, I want just letting you guys know, but the end, the end, the end answer, the end result is, you know, we screwed up. People either suffered or had a had a had a bad experience we were because uncomfortable. of it. Uncomfortable. Let's put it carefully. We'll say that. Well, I mean, there there certain there were people who had some heat related. There were some heat related issues. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, in part because there's a lot of kids at this convention. Mm-hmm. I think you. I think you. You know. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you punched about six. Of them. I've, yeah, I, um, right now I, I think my numbers are to running into four, uh, and almost knocking over all of them. Right. So, you know, but like he basically said, look, look, we screwed up, mm-hmm. and we apologize. Mm-hmm. Like just straight out, actually, like apologize. Our actions, what you know, the events were unacceptable and unexcusable, and we apologize for it. Like I, I I'm like, and and. What day was this? Was this Thursday? Or was this this Friday? was this was Friday. This Friday, okay. So like like when we when we come back to the hotel at the end of the night, I, I saw this on Facebook. Okay. So I was looking at it again this afternoon, and there were three hundred ish comments on it. Mm-hmm. All of them were just tearing into the show. Really. And basically, it became a an air a ground for people to air all any grievance related to the show, regardless of. It's re- it's it's relevance to the actual relevant yeah problem. relevance to the problem, hmm. and you, like, you know I'm, I don't know I want to say I'm, a, I'm an expert at conventions, but you and I are certainly experienced convention goers. Yeah, and I remember our very first New York one, the, the oh, time God. we were out in the cold. Yeah, the freezing New York February cold. Yeah, but like, I was I wasn't even going with that, but like, mm. we've seen conventions screw up before. Sure. New York, New York Comic Con has screwed up ticket sales the last two years, like royally screwed them up. Mm. I have never seen someone come out and apologize as sincerely as as this dude has, and he is just getting eviscerated for it. Well, at least taking responsibility. Right. Like, like when New York when New York has screwed up the tickets the last two years, they've basically come out and given an, an, a non apology, mm. like. We understand there's a bunch of complaints, but hey, we put the, we put the link out on Twitter, so you guys should have figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the response that New York Comic Con has given us the last two years mm-hmm. for their complete and utter inability to handle ticket sales. Mm. Whereas you know, for a a problem in the middle of the show that was unanticipated, and and th- certainly there are ways that could have been avoided. They could have mailed tickets in advance, which I kind of wonder why they didn't. They yeah. didn't do that. I I was. I completely assumed they were, and I was going back to my old room, my, <laughs> the old house I used to live in, going, did my tickets come in? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get why, why why they don't, because it, it is an expense. Sure. And there are, are other conventions that don't. Baltimore doesn't. Right. Actually, Baltimore actually goes with, does wristbands to cut down on costs, too. Right. Like, you know, and, and just, just, you know, mailing is mailing these passes is a huge expense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I get that. But like, and this this may cause them to reevaluate their position. 
so so maybe they should have seen some of this coming a little bit better but you know for running into this problem and having to change plans on the fly i think they did as well as as well as they could have as could have been expected and i i just i feel people's response is a little disproportionate especially yeah, like you said like they're they're airing grievances that are completely irrelevant to the problem hmm. what's like, this do we know this guy's name we have to i don't know his name. Uh, i can pull it up real quick uh, convention director Matt Solberg. Matt Solberg, okay. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, he he put himself out here. Mm. I mean, like pe people are people are like, I mean, that's probably one of the nastiest ones I saw. Is people are just like, you know what the common thread is here? You, you should like, you should leave, like, you should resign. And it's like one of those things. Yeah, people were complaining about like elevator access for wheelchairs, and like, you know, just like arguments are started between people with kids using with strollers using the the elevators over disabled people using the elevator like, oh my god so it got it got kind of nuts yeah it was just like yeah it was, I, I was like i was reading this and i was like i got i was like okay people are upset i understand they're venting fine yeah, yeah. and then i got further into the comments and i was like people are no longer just like venting about the the, the situation people are getting weird yeah yeah well so, seventy five thousand nerds this is true we were a weird group of people how many people in that hentai panel that Donnell tried to Oh, my to? God. This, my poor girlfriend's trying to go to this <laughs> hentai panel. She shows up, like, maybe five minutes late, ten minutes late. She's like, there are 450 people already in there and a line around the corner waiting to, to go in like your panel was. Right. She's like, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Except my panel was probably under 100 people. Right. This is 400 people, and it's hentai. Yeah. It, it worries me a little bit. Just a little bit. On that happy note. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Yep. So folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com, check out our blog posts and our and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and we are now posting new episodes on YouTube. Like, subscribe, comment, complain about baby carriages and wheelchairs. We want to hear from you. We do. Start fights that have nothing to do with the original topic. Dude, we'll fight you on stuff. I'll fight you just on anything. I made the mistake and I've given him editor access to the Facebook page. So if you want, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to argue about something, just for the sake of arguing, he will argue with you. Yeah, just sometimes for the sport. We mean sometimes, always. For oh, the sport. pretty much sport. Yeah, it's it's entertainment for you. Okay. Anyways, I'm Andrew. I'm Duder. And you've been listening to Therefore a Geek.